Welcome to The Freedom Factor. I'm your host, Oliver Bardwell. And our special guest today for this episode of This Week at the Capitol is District 46 Representative Dan Gelbach. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you. I've uh, been a big fan. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you as well. And could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so uh, I was asked this week how long I've been down at the Capitol. It's been... Uh, Seven weeks, not not years, just just seven weeks. I'm one of the new freshman uh, legislators down there in the Republican caucus. I'm in a new district, which is number 46, which covers the Dallas County part of Urbandale, where I live, uh, which is in the Waukee School District. And it goes up to uh, Woodward and Granger in Northeast Dallas County and covers Grimes and Polk County. So it took some uh, space there from Eddie Andrews over in Johnson, he lost Grimes and um, Carter Norman, who was my former rep. So both my former reps are still there, but I got drawn into the new district and it's been a great learning experience. Like it is drinking from a fire hose, as they say. And um, we're about to hit funnel week here uh, this coming week. So things are picking up pace uh, at the Capitol for sure. So can you explain that to everyone, what funnel week is and when it ends and what that means for all the legislation that's attempting to come through? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you'll hear a lot of there's a first funnel and a second funnel. The the first funnel is uh, this Thursday or Friday, if we choose to come back on Friday. And that just means that in order for a bill to still be alive for a floor debate it has to have passed out of a subcommittee and a committee in one of the chambers, either the House or the Senate. And so if uh, a bill does not get to the floor, um, it's not completely dead. There's other ways. I think completely dead at the Capitol. If it's a ways and means bill, which means based on taxes or if it's an appropriations bill, it can. it's funnel proof, as they say, it can come up at any time. Uh, but a policy committee bill like education, which I sit on, which we're going to talk a little bit about, it has to be through a committee process. Um, there's always ways to tack things on as amendments later on. But in theory, things have to be done this week, past one of the chambers. And then in late March, I'm not sure the exact date, there'll be a second funnel where a bill has, has to come out to the, I believe, to the full floor uh, vote in one of the chambers to be uh, eligible um, to move on. So it'll be a busy week at the Capitol, not a lot of floor debate, but a lot of subcommittee meetings and committee meetings to get things passed out of committee. So they're eligible uh, to move over to the Senate side or for a full floor debate and then over to the Senate side. Okay. So you, we were talking earlier today about some of the education bills that are coming through. And can you kind of give us an idea of what happened this last week and what you see coming up next week? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a couple of bills that haven't made their way out of or into a subcommittee or haven't got assigned a number yet. The government oversight committee has been rather busy. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, you had um, some moms come in and talk about the book process and how they got some books challenged at their respective school districts. As a former member of the Waukee School Board, I was a part of that process and never got to the board level for us to vote on, which um, well, I don't go into detail on that. But then this Monday, we had some superintendents and board members present to uh, the government oversight committee that's led by Brooke Bowden. They came in on Monday. And then on Friday, they or on Thursday, they had um, a government oversight committee for the gender clinics at University of Iowa and Unity Point. So out of those meetings, there's going to come a couple of bills that you'll 
hopefully be seeing early in the week. Uh, one is on the book process and identifying sexually explicit material in the books. And so, and then the other one will be, I, I believe, I'm not sure what committee will come out of, maybe Judiciary and, and Representative Holt, although he's laid up with a broken ankle. So uh, he's been out of the Capitol for a couple of days, but something to um, address the issue of minors receiving gender affirming surgeries at our state, University of Iowa, and potentially Unity Point, and banning that in the state. So look for those. They're not assigned numbers yet, but that'll be a big talking point this coming week, I assume. Yeah, as soon as we get numbers on those, we'll share it with our members. So there is gender affirming surgeries going on right now for, I should say, minors in the state of Iowa. I believe just top surgeries are happening at this point. Um, and there's also obviously hormone therapies and some of that going on. I caught most of the meeting. I, was, I wasn't able to be in person there, but I was watching it on Thursday. So I believe there'll be a legislative, there'll be some sort of legislation coming out this week on that as well. Don't hold me to that. I'm not sure if it'll come on the Senate side or the House side. The Senate, it's hard to keep track as a House member of everything that's going on on the Senate side. But the Senate side passed out of subcommittee yesterday the governor's uh, omnibus bill on transparency, which included a piece that we had passed separately as the House Education Committee, House File 8, which I know you've talked about before on this podcast, which basically says you cannot have the gender, sexual orientation and gender being talked about. We passed it on our side at K through 6 currently, potentially be amended up to K through, I was pushing for K through 8 minimum. The Senate passed it in the governor's bill at K through four, I believe, but we'll all have to get on the same page and agree uh, what that's going to look like. And if they want to pull it out of that bill, we can vote on a separate standalone bill. It was House File 8. I think it's passed out of committee, so it has a new number. Every time a bill gets passed out of committee, it gets a new number. And that was wrapped into, was it SB 1145? I believe that's the one uh, the one we had talked about before. Yeah. I think that I, it's hard to keep track of all the numbers, especially on the Senate side. Yeah, that met yesterday for sure. Yep. Okay. And we've talked a lot about this transparency issue on the House side and how to best address that. That did move through the House last year, but never got to the full floor last year. And that was the governor's transparency bill um, that she was pushing for and never passed the full chamber. So so that's uh, similar to what is rolled up into that 1145? It's similar. I know that um, our chair of the Education Committee, Scott Arita, is working with, with their chair and um, their leadership to try to figure out the best path to get both of these across the finish line. I think they're waiting on us to act on a few of these bills. One of those was um, House File 9, which bans um, pronouns and name changes without parental consent. And so they're waiting for us to send that over there. And it's already passed committee, so it's it's ready. It doesn't need any more action to be funnel-proof here as we move forward. So there's a lot going on. There's a lot of bills <laughs> dropping, a lot of action that, you know, you kind of have to prioritize what comes out. And the, um, the Democrats, you know, we control the agenda, but they control the time. So sometimes they can make it a little bit... Uh, hard for us to uh, get our work done sometimes by um, by slowing the process down a bit. How do they control the time? For example, we were debating House File 9, and Skyler Wheeler was in his closing arguments in committee, and they decided to go to caucus. The Democrats decided to go to caucus, which we later learned they can't go to caucus during closing remarks. In Brooke Bowden's Government Oversight Committee on Monday, um, where they were talking with the superintendents and board members, the Democrats decided to caucus um, during Bobby Kaufman's um, remarks. So they control the time in a sense that they can stall things out. They can add amendments to bills and force the clock to keep ticking and, and throw in some wrenches here and there. So as a majority, though, we can change our rules and we can do what we want but and put time certain on things. But uh, we'll give them uh, at least a little bit of leeway here. But I, I anticipate a late meeting 
on Wednesday or Thursday with the House Education Committee debating uh, the book bill that we'll be seeing here early in the week. Okay. How about House File 367, which made it unlawful to reprimand or, or fire someone for not using pronouns? I think that was Representative Stone's bill. Yeah, I know he ran a subcommittee on that. So that should be coming to the committee this week. That's already had a subcommittee and passed out. I talked to him briefly about it on the House floor. Yeah, that's just a simple bill that says you can't, that a teacher can't be um, reprimanded or disciplined for using the biological sex and pronouns of the student and also names as well. Okay. I haven't, I haven't dug deep into that bill. It's a pretty simple bill. Yeah, it's a pretty simple bill. It's uh, pretty sad when we have to uh, legislate common sense, but <laughs> that's just my opinion. Right, right. <laughs> but you know, a lot of this is current practice to, to tell parents if their kid's going to be gender transitioning, but places like Linmar and some other places, and, and you've done a good job of educating folks that this is going on. There are you know, all these books aren't in my school. Well, you'd be surprised. They probably are in your school. Um, we've seen that throughout the state where, um, you know, once people start to really dig into this and see this is happening in your in your small school district or, you know, it's not just a Waukee or Valley, West Des Moines problem. It's a, it's a statewide issue here. Yeah, I'd say most everything is a statewide issue. And it's just all about protecting parenting. Yeah, it's it's all about parental rights. So what do you think? I mean, this is your first session. What was it what you expected? Was it uh more than you expected? Was were you prepared? Yeah, I don't think anything prepares you for for what it's like. It's it's really it is a challenge and it is uh, like I say drinking from a fire hose and there's a lot of there's a lot going on every day. The the house is a very active place with lots of visitors every day and, and lobbyists and uh, lots of legislation that needs to to move through the process and you get assigned a I ran my own two subcommittees. I had a couple other subcommittees this week and to try to keep track of what's going on on the Senate side. I know there's bills over there that are moving and it's hard to keep track of everything. And um, We voted on 17 bill or 15 bills or so the other day, which I ran a, a bill to allow districts to pay um, student teachers. And it seemed like a non-controversial bill, but the Democrats didn't like it because it didn't include funding. So um, there's just a lot going on. There's a lot of caucus meetings where we talk in our committees and then as a as a Republican caucus about, you know, where we want to see things move. And um, it's just one meeting after the other. Um, it's, it is drinking from a fire hose for sure. But um, hopefully after this week, after funnel week, we can we can slow down a little bit maybe. And uh, if that the funnel week is really just to focus us in on those key things that are eligible to move on. Um, obviously, the school choice bill was a huge thing that took up a lot of oxygen in the chamber. The first couple of weeks of session, that was my our first big floor debate and vote. And I'm happy to say that all 24 of us freshmen on the House uh, side, uh, on the Republican caucus, voted in favor of that. So that, that was a huge win. A uh, big reason why I ran and why I uh, have my kids in Des Moines Christian right now, because of the things I saw going on in the schools. So so that was a big win. We passed uh, medical malpractice, um, tort reform. Um, we passed a fixed to property tax relief. And then the, there's also the governor's big reorganization bill coming down the pipe too. So there's a lot of big priorities that are taking up oxygen, but the education stuff is is, our, is my wheelhouse and we're going to get a lot of good things done here this week yet. And we've already passed quite a few things out of committee already ready to debate on the full floor here coming up. Speaking of reorganization, I've been hearing that there's been a lot of that going on with the Iowa Department of Education. Can you speak to any of that? Yeah, right now there's two. The Department of Education is maybe a bloated department. We have a Board of Education. We also have a Board of Education examiners. 
We passed a bill out of committee this week, House File 10, to reorg the Board of Education Examiners and change its makeup and to put more parents onto that Board of Education Examiners, also to, to basically recover and fire the current members in a sense and reappoint those members. Um, so that's something that's moving forward. We had a resignation in the Department of Ed this week. So the director, Levo, is stepping down. So there's an opening there. There's a lot of changes, a lot of things that you're pushing and parents are pushing around the state to see. Um, when Oliver and I were talking before, um, the State Board of Education and our Department of Ed had up on their website a social emotional learning website, which was essentially written in all the Castle uh, SEL stuff was there. And um, but it's not there anymore. So that's a good step in the right direction. And then and we'll see if there's some legislation. I was, I'm not sure if, if uh, an outright ban will come out this year with um, with the Senate bill that, that Senator Shaman had introduced and uh, Helena Hayes on our side. It needs to get a subcommittee. And I'm not sure if you need to reach out, reach out to those committee chairs. It's really the committee chairs are the ones that are in charge of, of, of how things get moved through the process because they do need to pass a com- full committee to be eligible for floor debate. And so th- th- those are the key people you need to reach out to to get a bill through to make sure they get assigned a subcommittee and they get um, brought up in the committee process. So, And that's SF-85, so that would be Senator Rosenboom. And HF-362 would be Representative Wheeler for the- Yeah, you got that. Yep. So we'll put something out for that. I mean, I would love to see those two bills. Well, SF-85 passed out a subcommittee. It did pass that subcommittee. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure if it'll get a full committee vote this week, but um, to stay alive, it'll need a committee vote this week. So, and that's what you learn up here. There's lots of at the Capitol. There's just lots of moving parts, and there's lots of people that need to all agree. You need to get 26, 51, and and one essentially, and make sure those votes are there to get something moved. We've already done a lot of good things. There's a lot of momentum on some of these uh, gender uh, bills to get that out of the, uh, the classrooms to put parents back in charge. And so we're looking for, and then also the book bill, which will be coming this week. So there's lots of things moving. Um, but we were also talking a lot about in our committee about how we can have a longer term vision on how we fix education in Iowa and some of the things with standards and testing and the common core. And I know we talked a little bit about that. I'd be happy to get into that briefly too. What are some of the challenges with Common Core? Why are we moving away from that? And how will that impact our school system? Um, yeah, there's a lot of misconceptions around Common Core. Common Core came out of the National Governors Association about 12 years ago, back when I was starting my business. So a lot of states signed on. Some states have signed on to parts of it and, and other parts. Some use just the math standards or, or just reading standards. Or a state like Texas would never adopt Common Core because they're Texas and they do their own thing. Iowa didn't have really any education standards. And the Common Core came out with math standards and English language arts standards. And that's really what Iowa adopted as their Iowa Core. You can meet those standards with good curriculum or bad curriculum. And I would say on the, at least on the math side, and I think it's the same on the ELL side, there's there's this tendency to get away from basics and, and to sort of teach a mile wide inch deep approach where we touch on lots of different skills where we never really get to master anything. And so if you have a good curriculum that could meet those standards, um, but really teach back to basics and to make sure we master a, a skill before we move on, that would be better. So there's also a testing component to that too. And there's lots of politics involved because the University of Iowa, if you ever, if you grew up in Iowa, you took the Iowa test basic skills and, and all around the country. And now um, there's different testing to meet those standards. So I'm optimistic with the new education director and some reorganization that we can, that Iowa can write our own standards and we can decide what's important to us and we can we can set goals higher. Um, we can not just have a floor, but we can have 
really have standards that are robust and they go back to basics and they require mastery and they leave the door open to picking curriculum that's going to be good curriculum. So when you're a state like New York or Florida or, or California, you have enough students in your state to drive textbook publishers to write specific textbooks for your state. Iowa may not be at that point yet, but um, we can, if we write some standards that are robust and deep enough, we can potentially get some um, textbooks that match up to that, that those robust standards um, to teach the the basics to get back to um, teaching, reading, writing, and math and, and science and get all the other mental health things that teachers aren't licensed to teach anyway out of the classroom. And so I think there's some discussions on that. This is a long-term thing and there's no magic bullet or piece of legislation we can write to do this, but um, it is encouraging that uh, we're going to be seeing some changes at the Department of Ed level and the governor's reorganization and just trying to shrink the size of the Iowa government. We're going to need to address these standards at some point. And um, hopefully we can write some robust ones that have some teeth and we can um, get some good curriculum to match those standards. That sounds really hopeful. And you have a you have a mathematics background, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, I was a, a former internal auditor by, by trade, but uh, opened up a math learning center called Mathnasium. It's a franchise math learning center. And um, so my wheelhouse is really in those math standards. And the current math standards are, are written in a way where if you're if you're in a silo and you just teach fifth grade, you could read the, or fourth grade and you, and you you teach a standard on how to multiply multi-digit numbers, for example, the standards that are currently written leave the door open for these fuzzy math or the new, new math and common core math. I would say it's just that fuzzy math, that new math. That, um, But if you look at the standards in fifth grade, it says use the standard algorithm. So that's just a good example of how in one piece of the standards, we can teach the basics and keep it very narrow. But if you leave the door open in the prior grade levels to all this other alternate methods to do things and garbly gook and lattice multiplication and, and curriculums like everyday math from McGraw-Hill, because there's very few textbook publishers out there. And But I would argue there's there's good curriculums to meet those standards and bad curriculums. And, and everyday math's not a great one uh, for most learners. And so, so let's get back to basics and make sure we have good curriculum to meet those standards. And um, and in math is where, is where I have the most experience with that. So, Well, great. We're glad you're on that team. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, we need to get back to having, you know, and something we talked about, we heard from teachers, there's a group of us that met with some teachers and, you know, what we heard, you know, there's a lot of discipline problems in classrooms, but it also comes back to there's full credit for missing work and there's no homework anymore. And there's, there's, they're setting the bar very low for some of these students. And so I would argue if we can set the bar high and we can have homework. So one thing I've seen with my kids moving schools is they do have homework now. They don't get to retake the test to get the score they want. And so if you can set the bar high for kids, no matter where they're at, no matter um, where their backgrounds, they're going to rise to those standards and they're going to meet those standards. So let's let's give kids some homework. Let's give them some high benchmarks. Let's give them no second chances. If your work is late, give them a zero. You know, let them realize that there's consequences for not turning their work in. So I'm hopeful we can get to that point. But I'm seeing it in some private schools, not in the public schools as much. That's why I moved my my own kids. That all comes back to school choice and having parents in charge of where they send their kids. And so that's why I'm so hopeful that this um, Education Saving Account Students First Act bill that we that we signed into law already is going to make a big difference for Iowa long term to make sure that parents are in charge of their kids' education. And, and if they are not seeing the kind of things they want in the classroom in their public school, they have an option to go to a private school and to hold those administrators and those public schools accountable and your private schools, too, if they're not meeting your needs there's other ways to have your kids educated and the money should follow the kid and not fund the system. That's a great point to end on. We really appreciate everything you're doing, especially in the education realm right now, because that's where we really need to need the work. And 
it's been so refreshing to see all the legislation coming through and the governor's stance and putting education first this session. So it'll be interesting to see how everything turns out by the end of the session. Yep. And elections have consequences. Uh, you, know, you have a new crop of freshman um, legislators in there and, and it's it making a difference for sure. And you saw that with the Students First Act, the ESA bill, um, first thing. And a lot more to come this week. And we'll um, keep on your legislators, look for those bill numbers, come down to the Capitol, talk at those subcommittee meetings. Um, it's going to happen quick and you're going to have about 24 hours notice in advance. But I'm sure if you follow Oliver, Oliver and Iowans for Freedom, he'll keep you informed on, on, on how to stay active down at the Capitol because it does make a difference when you show up and and talk to people down there. It, what I've learned is I thought all the, all the legislators knew everything already, but they don't. They didn't know what they're doing. So I've been trying to educate them on school finance and how that works and all the math side of things. But um, yeah, it makes a difference what you guys are doing and, um, and show up and be in your legislators' ear and, and talk to those committee chairs and, and those folks uh, running those bills because they need to hear from you too. Well, thank you. Yeah, and we'll, we'll keep working on it. How can people reach you? You have a great newsletter. I'm signed up for it. Yeah, you can sign up for my newsletter just at dan4iowa.com. There's a link right there, dan4iowa.com. I publish it on my Facebook site too, which is facebook.com backslash dan4iowa. That's where you can, the best way to, to see what's happening, see my social media posts, um, what's been going on. Also, email me, uh, text me anytime. My, my cell number's out there, I think, um, on all that. So um, I, I'm not uh, I'm not shy. There's also, I'll uh, be at Urbandale Chamber of Commerce tomorrow for a forum with Representative Andrew, Senator Zahn, and I believe Representative Forbes will be there too. So um, it's a small room, so they, they do mostly on Zoom. You could, you could turn in on Zoom and hear all about what's going on in Urbandale. I would say if you are an Urbandale resident, please vote no on March 7th for the RecPlex, the, the new Uplex they're building out in Urbandale. It's going to be a $43 million raise in your property taxes. So um, we can talk about that another day. I wrote about it last week in my newsletter. So go on Facebook. You can find that pretty easily. And then you can hear more about that if you live in Urbandale. Thank you. Thank you for joining us, Representative Galbach. I'll put some of those links in the description so people can connect with you. And my fellow Iowans, thank you for joining us today. Please like, subscribe, and share. And until next time, just remember, our liberties we prize and our rights we will maintain. <laughs>